The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general information purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry. We hope you enjoy. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to Day Traders Off the Record. This is episode two of the podcast. We have our guest and host here, a co-host, My Data Gains, here with us today. And we're going to be just talking about a few topics in the trader world of the month of April. Um, lots of crypto hype, lots of NFT hype. We had the Coinbase IPO. Uh, small caps were really weak for the first half, but they kind of just blew up second half. So we're going to be talking about that and uh, just having a discussion about trading and all all things trading. So welcome back, my data gains. Good to have you. Um, how was how was your month of April? I mean, I know for long biased traders, it was uh, it was quite difficult in the first half. Um, but then thankfully, we had some stocks like OCGN, BTX, and a few others that just really kicked it off for the volume. And uh, yeah, so you as a like short seller, how did you do for that first half? Was it like a record month for you or how did that go? Um, well, glad to be back on the show. Uh, episode two, exciting. And uh, yeah, for me, April was a pretty interesting month. Um, it wasn't a record month by any means, but if I'm looking back in my career, it's probably uh, somewhere in that top five months uh, range. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's one of those situations when the setups are working, you want to put your foot on the gas. You want to maybe use a little bit more size uh, responsibly. You're not going to double or triple down overnight, but you're going to uh, grow slowly and uh, take a little bit more risk, increase my risk per trade and increase my max daily loss as I'm on this hot streak. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy with the month and uh, looking forward to uh, to kick off a new one in May, hopefully keep this momentum going. How about you? How was your uh, April? I know it was a slow start for, for the longs, right? But you had yeah. a few ones in the end of the month. You had a few ones. Yeah, I had a few really good trades in the last two weeks of the month. They ended up being my second largest month of 2021. So not bad. I mean, we're what, like four months into the month, second best month. Um, can't complain too much. It was tough in the first two weeks. There was just, there was no follow through anywhere whatsoever. Every trade I would take was either a small loss or break even. And it was discouraging a lot of people, like a lot of traders who, who kind of trade with my style and just traders overall on like Twitter and social media. So yeah, um, you know, lots of, lots of traders on like, on social media and on Twitter have just been really saying it's a scalper's market. You have to go for small gains and small wins. And, you know, for me personally, that's not my approach. Like, like for me, when it comes to trading, my entire goal is just to trade my system, not to kind of adapt to what's happening today in the current market. I mean, because my goal isn't to make a profit every single day, right? The main goal I have is just to trade my system and let the long run like profits just come through. If you have a mindset of wanting to make profits every single day and wanting to make green every single day, then it's very easy to be hit with a slow market and say, okay, well now I have to scalp. And I mean, that maybe works for some people. In my mindset, it doesn't really work because then 
you're always kind of chasing what the market's kind of doing. And when the market like has it switched back to being a strong market and has massive rips like OCGN and BTX, you'll still be stuck in that like mindset of scalping and then you'll miss that that tenfold move, which could make your entire month profitable. So yeah, for me, the first you know two weeks was very weak. Um, I took a lot of small losses, a lot of break-even trades, um, but just with my experience and I've just like been through this, I know that I have to just, just keep sticking to it and keep taking the trades. Uh, one way that I do reduce my risk is just to reduce my size. Like when I notice that the market's just kind of weak, volume's not there and the plays are just kind of dead, I still want to take the trades that I see, even though I know they're most likely going to be losers. Uh, but what I do is just reduce my size to just reduce that, that risk I'm taking on. And then when I see the market, you know, have that huge hit, um, then I size it up right away and just use the same trades, use the same strategies. So that's what I've done. Um, and like I said, the first two weeks, I mean, <coughs> let me pull up my trading view right now. Cause like, if I look at this, like legit, the first two weeks is just red days, red days, red days. Um, let me check real quick. It's kind of funny how when you're sizing down, I'm sizing up. Oh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's because we're direct opposites. I mean, it's a good exactly. thing. That, that kind of means that we're both doing the right thing in a sense, right? Because if you are a short seller and I'm yeah. a long trader, we yeah. have to be doing opposites to like both be performing yeah. at our best. And, and there were days where I was trading OCGN and VXRT and I'm seeing people in trade buddy saying that they're long at this price and that price. And that I know that when a couple yeah, yeah, of those exactly. people are long, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking a sweat, you know, yeah. they're, um, they have conviction, but, uh, yeah, so you know, keep, keeping my, the risk tight though. Yeah. So looking at my data right now, my largest red day was on April 16th, uh, $400 and 50 cents. Um, it's not bad not bad my average loss was like about 200 dollars each day my largest a green day was about five thousand five hundred dollars so it's that yeah. that concept of you know yeah you can adjust how you trade depending on what the market does however like when i've done that like whenever i would try to go for scalps instead of going for the big trades whenever the big trades would come around, I would just miss them completely and not be in the right mindset to go for those, that large potential because I've been scalping and that's what I've been going for, trying to make nonstop green trades. And that's why to me, you know, win rate doesn't matter. Like, like if I look at my, uh, like this month's win rate, I mean, I can tell you right now, it's less than 50%. I know for a fact, my win rate this month, 38%. Winning trades, sixty-one percent yeah. losing. My average winning trade was a thousand, and my average loss was ninety-five dollars. So, I mean, yeah, the numbers think, work yeah. out in the end. That's <laughs> all that matters, right? Like all that matters is that the numbers work out in the end, and that's just the most important thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's important that people people hear that because a lot of newer traders, especially, they struggle with the concept of just sitting on hands and. And doing nothing so 
people should really listen to what you're saying here because you're uh, yeah it's it's proof that you need to just stick to your system and when the market starts coming back around then there's plays like btx and btx off of that i think it was 27 ish if i'm not mistaken 27 dollars i went long at 27.80 yeah off of that uh level it's textbook tony ivanov <laughs> yeah and if you look at the what was it three year or 10 year something like that the potential was was just insane and uh i think the available shares to trade on that one was maybe like 1 million it was also targeted by wall street bets uh, i just found out recently was it really oh that helps for yeah sure. <laughs> and i, I didn't even sure. know that <laughs> i didn't know that at all i don't really follow wall street bets anymore after, yeah you know gme i saw i saw an article recently so um i think yeah they had tried sos and oh that <laughs> was <laughs> that was never gonna work dude oh my yeah. gosh that was never gonna work yeah. SOS but every was now like and the then worst one they could target just because of how many warrants they had overhead waiting uh btx yeah. was a good one though i'm not even sure what the flow to btx was like i think it was about what 38 million share outstanding so the float had to be less than that i'm actually making a youtube video well it's made i just have to post it yeah it's covering my btx trade so if you're watching this or you're listening to this make sure you go to my youtube and watch that lesson to see how i traded btx from uh the 2780s and I sold my highest at like 44. It did go higher a few days later. Like I ran to what, like 79 bucks? Yeah, and after hours. Yeah, and after hours, I ran to 79 uh, on that day two reversal, which, yeah, that trade on the second day, I missed completely. Like this Friday, dude, yeah. I don't know what happened to me. I was just, you know, like Friday mm -hmm. mindset, end of the month, I was just kind of lazy and I didn't see the potential in that yeah. ATX reversal. So I missed out on that run from 30 to 80 completely. So yeah, and I think uh, pre-market, we had Aston tell our members to- Yeah, he was to looking keep, at To keep it, it on, yeah. Cause it didn't dip down to 27 again, but it was close enough where you know that dip buyers were lining up with their starters. Exactly. And that's, a con that's like a concept that you've also, um, spoke about with our community and yeah. it's not always going to be the exact price to the penny, but it's just a general, uh, a general area. Well, that so, higher um, level on yeah. BTX was actually, if you look at the chart on when I traded it, uh, when it held support at 2780, the resistance on the little pullback was 30 bucks. And that's where it held right. the next higher level of support on that day to reversal. That's, that's why it held 30 and not 27. Right. Um, so it was just right. a textbook chart that I just, wasn't in the right mindset to trade uh, because those day two reversals, they're not really my my main setup. I really like to trade new stocks, new first green days. So when it comes to kind of identifying those those larger reversals after its first red day, I just don't really focus on it. And I need to because as you saw BTX, it provided an awesome opportunity from 30s to 80 bucks. I mean, that's a home run trade. But still, yeah. overall, it was a really good month. Um, obviously, there's things I could improve on. I need to just be sizing up more. That's the main thing I'm, I'm kind of slacking on doing is sizing up more. Um, and that just has to do with, I don't know, just psychological, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's not it's uh, it's harder than people think, to be honest. And uh something that i've been doing for a few months now and 
specifically for April, it's, it's going to help me go into May and, and onward. Um, I'm keeping track of basically a percentage like of the overall days, what percentage of the time or what percentage of the days did I follow? I have like nine or 10 rules mm. and every single day there's a, a green box for if I followed that rule or a red box for if I broke it, you know, and uh, obviously you, every single day you try to make sure that you follow those 10 rules, but every now and then maybe the loss goes like a couple dollars more against you that it should, or maybe I use a couple hundred more shares than I should according to rules. So yeah. that counts as a rule broken. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the month, I'll look back and say, okay, this rule, I followed it 93% of the time. That's very good. This rule I followed 85% of the time, 90%, there's a few I followed hundred percent of the time. And if there's a rule that I followed, like say 75% of the time, I'll really try to hone in on, well, what's going on here? Why do I, how come I broke that rule, you know, three out of four, uh, uh, one out of four times, let's say, you know? And so it really, it's kind of like a part of the journaling process. So it'll make you aware of what you need, what bad habits you need to cut out heading into your next month. So um, looking forward, looking forward to Monday. Yeah, I mean, dude, trading is all about habits, right? Um, and, you know, we say it all the time. It sounds so cliche. But like we talked about this last episode too. But if you have a hard time honing in on your trading habits and your trading discipline, the easiest way to like just reinforce that concept is to build discipline outside of trading. Like, I mean, maybe I'm I'm alone on that thought. Um, I don't know. But... Like I've said this before, where my trading really became a lot more disciplined and I wasn't breaking as many rules as often. I wasn't, you know, getting emotional and and just just trading like a doofus was when I would kind of take care of other parts of my life discipline wise. Right. Just maintaining the habit of taking my dog on the run every day at the same time, taking care of, you know, how I how I treat my body, right? You know, working out is a really good thing in my opinion for traders because you have to kind of build the discipline to do things that you might not want to do in the moment, but you know it's going to benefit you later on. Like with trading, you might not want to follow that rule right now because you want to take that trade right now. You want to chase that stock right now, but um, you know that if you do that, it's going to be devastating to you, right? Like if you have that huge piece of cake, it might taste good now, but you're going to not like it in, in a few hours when you feel sick, you know? So, I mean, yeah. um, uh, you've been doing really good, though, in terms of your discipline. Like, like you, you've always been a very disciplined trader in the sense that like, you come into the market, you have your watch list set early in the morning, you know what you want to trade, and you take those trades and you follow the plan almost perfectly. Like, I'm not sure if I've ever seen a day where you have like a massive blow up mainly because you broke your rules like have you even had like a huge loss before because of breaking your rules in terms of like your short selling like has it happened to you before um well not so much uh in recent history but if we go back to the last episode i think i explained something about summer 2018 oh, having yeah, a, yeah. the pretty much a four-figure loss yeah and uh that's very minuscule yeah. in the grand scheme of training, though, you know so it's good that you took <laughs> yeah early no on. yeah exactly no um like account blow-ups or, or things Nothing like that recent, though right no uh, i mean like in the month of april for example like there are some trades where 
I lost uh, what used to be considered like my max daily loss, maybe even six months ago. I would lose that in, in the month of April. I'll lose that on one trade, like even on, uh, I forgot if it was VXRT or OCGN, like when it busted through $10 and I was, I was in heavy from like nine eighties, nine nineties. And I couldn't cover at the low tens because it just ripped to like 10, 40, 10, 60. So I wanted to get that pullback to cover in the low yeah. tens to minimize the damage, but I simply just couldn't had to get out. And it was like, uh, that loss was, what used to be my max daily loss. But at the same time, I had like another trade or maybe two other trades going on at the same time that were working. So it kind of just, uh, it's a balancing act. And uh, even if I was small red or break even by let's say 10, 10, 30 in the morning, I think later in the afternoon came back, hit a late day fade and ended the day green. Hmm. So it's a matter of keeping like, uh, keeping yourself calm and composed uh, throughout that, that process. And, um, just because I took a big loss on OCGN or VXRT, whichever one was, doesn't mean that I'm going to fear taking my proposed setup the next day. Like on Friday, I took, right. I was in, I was in Pixie, uh, PX, PIXY pretty heavy, um, risking low fours. And, even though I hit 410, I had fishing orders going all the way up to 409. And someone in the community was asking, well, how come you didn't stop out like as soon as it hit four? It's because, and you, you talk about it on the flip side on your strategies, but I'm only going to cut that loss if four proves the hold, right? right? If it's just a quick spike and fail, that's exactly what I want, actually. And I had yeah, ads as high as four. You know? Now that, yeah, was on, what, uh, that was on Friday, right? Yeah, and I held all the uh, so on that Friday. Was on day two of of its move, where it two. just had that massive rip up to four. Out of exactly nowhere. right, and yeah, and four was it hit four. I forgot if it was after hours or pre market. It hit four, it hit four and on the hours, and then day yeah. two it, it tested support, had yeah. a little like test of VWAP, and then it just squeezed up to four again. Try trapping exactly. shorts again. You're lucky it didn't break out because I I was holding my shares for that breakout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if it did, it just it would have been another like you know large loss but yeah. like in the month of april if i'm swinging bigger then i could also expect that i'm gonna take a loss that's bigger but it's yeah. not and it's not the kind of loss that's gonna blow your account it's just yeah it's all relative to the current streak you're on and i spoke about it last episode but take a 22 um, moving average of your uh green days you multiply that figure by two so like my max daily loss the figure actually went up by uh, almost double, like which means that I was able to risk almost twice as much as I would have maybe three to six months ago. Yeah. So, and it feels good. To, it feels good to do that because you 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 gradually you're building confidence along the way, and the the growth of your trades becoming larger is gradual, and it's not like you know if I just went in with ten thousand shares tomorrow, I think one uptick against me. I'd be panicking because yeah, I'm just, just I'm not there immediately. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's uh, yeah. that's uh, you know, you brought up something that very important when it comes to trading with a, with like a system, essentially it's what we do, right? Like we trade systems um, where you said, even though you took that big loss relative on OCGN, you weren't afraid the next day to take that same setup on PXY. And like, I felt that, 
all first two weeks of April, dude. And that's just how it is, right? I never want to let the fact that I lost on one trade make me not have confidence to take that trade again. Because, I mean, we both like, use data within our trading and we both know that even if one is a loss, even if five are losses, one of them will be a winner. And as long as we stick to the strategy, um, that winner will wipe out the losses and it's green in the end, right? Yeah. And because, and because I like, obviously there's long bias traders and Pixie that were well positioned from the previous day or whatever, but there's also many, many traders that were maybe buying 380s, 390s, buying four, hoping oh, yeah. for four plus on the moon. So as soon as that 410 candle flushes and it's 370 in the next um, second or two, those late chasers um, are bagged and that gives me confidence to hold till as low as the 330s sure yeah. so yeah for every trader so, who trades like me there's 10 that buy at the very top and yeah <laughs> bag hold so yeah um, and that's what that's what causes the ups and downs and it's just yeah uh, it's it's fun it's fun stuff and speaking about ups and downs um day one of coin ipo was uh was absolutely dude, wild dude. <laughs> that was the entire crazy. lead up the entire lead up to coin ipo was just so ridiculous like there's a yeah. famous quote by warren buffett i don't know exactly how it goes but it's like you want to buy when everyone's fearful and sell when everyone's greedy like it's something along those lines i don't know what the exact quote is but like the hype around coinbase ipo like for the first two weeks leading up to it like you noticed how much it was hyped up right like Everyone yeah, was absolutely. asking me every day after the webinars, what do you think about coin? What do you think about coin? And like, it was all over Twitter. It was all over mainstream media, like the week prior to their IPO. Well, not IPO, the listing. Let's, it's a direct, let's be, yeah. Let's be specific because we'll have someone comment on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like the week leading up to their listing, they announced the revenues was like up 400% that quarter because of, you know, Bitcoin rallying and, yeah, everyone's super hyped up about that. And then a few days prior to their listing, Nasdaq said the reference price was 250. So everyone's hyped up about that. You know, just there was so much hype leading into this, this, this listing that to me personally, it was kind of a no brainer that, okay, I don't want to play this because if everyone thinks that it's going to be like a sure trade and everyone thinks it's going to go up, what edge do you have, right? If everyone is sure about one thing, then you have to do the opposite. Um, like back That's in actually what I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like, oh, like back in 2018, when, when Bitcoin was first popping off and it was, everyone was talking about Bitcoin. Like it's the new thing. My grandma was talking about it and she doesn't even speak English. Like she's in oh, Russia wow. and she was talking about it. I had a Lyft driver who asked me about it. Like everyone was on the Bitcoin hype. When it was 20,000, right? When it was, like when it was at that yeah, high? Yeah, just reaching 20K, yeah. you know. It broke 20K, oh my gosh. It was all over the news. Everyone's buying into it. And then that was the top of that rally. Now, now I know it's not the top now because it's at 60K or so now, but it's just kind of how the market yeah. works where what are... I think there was a dip. Uh, as we record this, uh, 57. Is that 57K right now? Nice. And I, I think That's it went good. down to like sub 50 um briefly yeah it did it had a little so. panic after the coinbase listing actually i kind yeah. of said that well now that we're having all this hype 
like now with this listing, I kind of expect that we'll see uh, overall sell-off on the crypto market and like Coinbase listed, they popped up to like what, 318, went to the low of, what was it yesterday? Like, or no. Yeah, it, I, I think it opened at 380. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. And the opening, yeah, I remember because I traded it. <laughs> yeah, it ran um, to like like the 420s four, in yeah, like that, the first five minutes. And I was in this one <laughs> chat room, like, like a huge yeah. public chat room. And uh, just to, watching all these people who are obviously newbie traders, right? They're just novices, they don't know what they're doing. As it's running up, everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's going to go, it's going to go. I'm buying and buying and buying. This one mm -hmm. guy said that he bought like 100 shares at like 420. And then like, as it started to collapse and really just sell off, you know, drop down through 400, down through 380, down through the opening a price. And then everyone's like, this is a scam. What's going on? How could you predict this? It's like, dude, like if, if everyone is so sure about one thing, then you need mm -hmm. to have that kind of, view the contrarian view i think it's called where you have to right. like understand if everyone's in it then you need to be either selling it like you did or just get out of it right so i mean it's it's, yeah. it's been crazy right the whole thing was just so just so bs how it was so hyped up about you know coin and then it just flopped as expected yeah the uh yeah the high day was i think it was 429.54 yeah, and like that, yeah what's absolutely what's crazy is that i had a fill at 429 even wow and i had a yeah i had a like 420 and 424 and 429 and just like tiny size because it's outside of my niche and it's like day one so yeah it's probably maybe a trade i shouldn't have even taken in hindsight because it's just you know day one there's no history but you had an edge though uh, for sure you know you you yeah. saw the edge and you took it. Yeah. And just, you know, a little bit of a tape reading play and looking at, uh, you know, looking at all those things and I was ready to cut loss and if four thirties were to hold, mm -hmm. um, and it would have been a minor loss because it was just, you size accordingly to the, according to the financial instrument that you're trading. But yeah, I, I held all the way to three thirties, which is That's awesome. Uh, so that was pretty, a pretty, pretty good wild. trade for you, huh? Yeah, that was, that was a nice day. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the uh, the price was supposedly going to be 250, I think you, you mentioned. So yeah, that was the like fact a that it opened price by Nasdaq, which is weird. Yeah, and the fact that it opened at 380 got people too excited, right? Yeah. And um, I don't know what the lows were, but are you guys still considering 250 as a as a I mean, yeah. Or is... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, dude, it's like one of those psychological things, right? Where the only level that yeah. we have to base off of is that reference price by NASDAQ, 250. And I'm sure that there are millions of orders stacked at 250 waiting for that dip. So maybe it'll bounce at 260. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, once it can get down there, I am fairly confident that we'll see a bounce off that level of support. Like, it's almost a no-brainer play at that point, right? Because it opened up at 380, sells off to the 250s, that's a drop of what, 70, 60%? I don't know the math. It's a big drop, right? Right. And buyers will be there. Support will be there. It's uh, 297 at close, and it was a low of 282 at some yeah. point. Yeah. What's so, the lowest it's gone so far? Uh, 282, 282, it looks like. Yeah, so it's getting, getting there. It's getting, it's it's getting, getting there, there, yeah. And um, 
do you actively, I, I think maybe a few years ago, you dabbled with uh, crypto, um, crypto trading, just generally speaking. Uh, is that something that you still do on the side here and there or more just focusing on stocks? Um, I have a pretty wild history with, with crypto and Bitcoin. Yes, I used to trade. That's how I kind of blew up on YouTube was from my crypto videos, like during the hype of, yeah. of Bitcoin. Um, like one of my like top viewed videos is how to day trade on Binance and it has like 600,000 views. So I was really propelled by that, which I didn't really like because I don't really trade crypto that much. So it was kind of a, a weird thing for me. Um, then some things happened in my personal life where I don't want to like hop into it like here, but um, it made me not want to trade crypto anymore. So yeah. like between 2018 to like 2021, the beginning of 2021, I just ignored it completely. I, I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to trade it. I didn't want to hold it. And during like that last half of 2020, it ran from what, like, 10k to above like 30k and then i was like all right i'm being dumb i'm being emotional i don't want to let like the past make me miss this opportunity so then i did uh, hop into the big three like bitcoin ethereum litecoin um and i was kind of trading altcoins the largest trade i had within the altcoin sector was was on grt and this is a funny one because it was called the graph like that's the coin's name. It's called the graph. And I was just on Binance looking at, you know, all these altcoins. And I saw the graph of the graph. I was like, wow, this looks like a really good graph, right? It's, it is holding very clear previous resistance as new support at like 33 cents. I'm like, this is kind of a no-brainer trade for me. This is what I would take in, in small caps, right? It's, it's, it's like a no-brainer trade for me. So I bought like, I think I bought like 20,000 coins of it. Uh, with like a 33 cent average and that thing ran i think it was a high of two dollars and 70 cents i sold half my position at a dollar because you know round number why not and it just kept on going it just kept on trucking kept on going it ran up to like i'm pretty sure the high was was like 270s or 370s i can't remember but i sold most in the twos so that was like a, a massive like massive trade for me I'm pretty sure my largest swing trade ever was was on that crypto. Um, yeah, yeah, so I wild. just used those funds and I put them into Bitcoin in like the 40s, the 40,000 area. And now I'm just holding that. I have some a Dogecoin that I bought at like $0.08, cents, I think. Um, not a lot, just kind of leftover that was in the wallet. And I actually have a... A referral link from Binance, like that one video I had that had you know six hundred thousand views on it. I had a referral link to it, like to sign up for Binance. And what's now what happens with that link? When someone uses that link to sign up for Binance, like whenever they trade, I get like twenty percent of their commissions from that coin. Like so, meaning if they had traded Doge back in twenty eighteen, I got twenty percent of their commission from Doge. Which meant I forgot about this this whole account for the past three years. I didn't even know I had money in there at all and i just signed into binance one day you know back in the beginning of this year and i saw i had like i had a a lot of coins just sitting in there that had grown exponentially from its run-up back in in late 2020 so that was awesome i cashed nice that advice. out yeah <laughs> i cashed that out real quick took it out of binance and uh yeah now just holding you know some bitcoin uh 
lots of Ethereum right now because that's like the best one, like to me, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I've been kind of in it here and there. Most important thing, if you're trading crypto, make sure you pay your taxes because they are going to find it. There is the, the, there's no way to hide it, you know, nowadays. If you're watching this and you trade crypto, make sure yeah. that you pay those damn somebody, taxes. Uh, <laughs> somebody asked me about that recently. And um, yeah, this one of my good friends, actually, he puts, uh, I don't know, five, six hundred bucks into one of these uh, sub penny uh, random coins. Uh, and mm. then he gets like, gets tweeted by a famous rapper and oh my gosh it's <laughs> getting pumped and this and that and then he's texting me saying oh i'm up eight grand uh asking about taxes asking if you should sell this and that and of course i'm like yeah you should sell some and then hold some and he's like no i want to hold okay well you know do what you want you know and i said just out of curiosity what if this ever gets listed on um i guess binance or one of the exchanges there uh what will your position be worth and he says 27 million <laughs> and i said okay well best of luck to <laughs> i'm hoping it works out for you because then you could um you know you could fund my my next trading account and you could act as my prop firm i'll trade a million dollars and i'll give you 30 percent. you know yeah that'd be a sweet deal huh <laughs> so um yeah it's definitely i think crypto in general it's bringing a lot of new faces into um into the game of trading in general oh for sure but, I think some people have like high expectations of what they want their trade or investment uh, to do. And I think people need to uh, be careful about those expectations and manage those expectations. Yeah. I mean, it's totally possible to find like really good cryptos that will likely explode in the next five, 10 years, like even like Binance coin, um, which is the coin that's by Binance. Like, so the commission that I would get was a split of Binance coin and the coin that they traded. So like, like that made me a killing because I had a lot of Binance coin from like, I think average of like 15 bucks, not like a lot, a lot, but just a lot of free coin that I had relative to what it is now. I think Binance coin is at like 600 bucks. It, yeah, that's crazy. it ran from like, um, like just this year, I think in January it was in the thirties. And ever since then, it just has skyrocketed. I'm pretty sure it was propelled by the Coinbase IPO, to be honest. It was like hyped up like by that listing because they're also a competitor. And it yeah. ran from like 30 bucks. I mean, let me see real quick. It ran from like 30 bucks. And now it's at $621. And right. at the beginning of this month or this year, it was at like $36. So you were accumulating some of this without even really without knowing, even it. knowing. <laughs> yeah. and that instrument was increasing in its yeah uh, pretty yeah. pretty insane stuff. I mean, I was lucky, I guess. You know, I made that video at the right time when when it was hyped up. I had that link in there in the description, and it it just uh, printed. You know, yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, like yeah, yeah. When it comes to you know trading crypto, it's just like stocks where. Where the ones that are most obvious probably won't be the big winners for you, at least in the in the near term. Like, right. like if you're a new trader and you're trying to make a lot of money, you shouldn't be looking at Bitcoin. You shouldn't be looking at Ethereum unless you have like a sizable amount of capital. Then it makes sense. But if you want to see gains quickly, altcoins are the way. You know, like I said, like the one trade that had the graph, that was an awesome trade just based off of fundamentals. 
like technical analysis, you know? Yeah, there's nothing that I knew about the company at all. I didn't know what the coin did. I didn't know like what its purpose was. I just saw the chart. I was like, this is a nice chart. It's a nice graph, you know? It was kind of funny how the name of the coin was the same reason that I traded it, you know? So just kind of a funny story for me. And yeah, people buy coins just based on the name sometimes yeah. too, which is, it's not. Yeah, there was actually a coin yeah. that was made recently by this like, guy on Twitter. It was called Scam Coin. And he made yeah. it in like 40 minutes. And um, he announced, hey, this is a scam. Like, I don't have any purpose for this coin at all. And like he listed it on some smallest like place exchange. And within the first 40 minutes, I think it was, it pumped up to a like market value of, I think, like $87 million <laughs> like, <laughs> out, of, <laughs> out of nowhere. Like, that's, that's wild. Obviously, he didn't make any money on that because I'm not sure if he was even holding any uh, position at all. But then, of course, really, it like dumped afterwards. But yeah, people will, will chase these things just off of hype and off of the name. Yeah. So altcoins uh, are a really good place, in my opinion if you want to trade, but of course pay your taxes. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there's definitely uh, volatility there. And there's one guy who, you know, he was a 14, 15 year uh, day trader veteran in, in the small cap game. And because of where he moved to and where he lives, he's gravitated towards crypto and uh, he's doing better than ever, like in terms of uh, daily and monthly gains and that sort of thing. Yeah, but, I'm sure uh, the, uh, the COVID hype definitely, it was like a perfect storm, right? Like we talked about this last, like last episode where having COVID happen and the lockdown happen at the same time as like, as everything um, caused everyone just to stay at home and say, okay, what do I do now? I can't go to a casino. Yeah. Right? Can't have any fun. What should I do with all this money I'm saving up? And, you know, trading in crypto was like, the perfect storm from all that. So um, it's definitely provided a lot of opportunities. Some people think that the crypto market is hurting the stock market in terms of like liquidity, which could be true. I could definitely see that. But at the same time, we've seen stocks that trade like $5 billion of volume in like a single day. So I don't know if it hurts that much. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that, especially in the small cap sector, there are always going to be stocks that are making big moves, attracting big volumes. There's always going to be these, you know, manipulators, these algos and these games. And there's always going to be some of those components that just don't exist in crypto, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I, th I think we're, we're going to be all right in that regard. And um, talking about wild stuff, um, what are your thoughts on uh, NFTs? I know when the NFT thing came out, uh, when, it, when it was first brought to light, um, companies that were getting involved in that industry or claiming to get involved in an industry like TCAT and uh, yeah, TKAT, and I forget yeah. the other one, like OCG, I don't know. There was another one. Yeah, I think it was OCG uh, was one of them. There was a lot of them, I mean, yeah. It happens. It happens with anything that's hyped up. Like whenever there's a there's a new hype in the public space, you will yeah. always see small caps say, "Oh, we're getting into that." You know, "Oh, yeah, now we're doing that too." It happened with weed back in 2016. It happened with blockchain. Bitcoin first. Yeah, blockchain back in 2018. Coronavirus. Everybody was. Oh my gosh! Thing. Yeah, dude. Like 
it always happens and and the funny thing is is that you will see some long-term winners from those hypes like for example a blockchain uh like back in 2016 or like 2017 2018 we had mara which had moved into blockchain we had riot that moved into blockchain and now if you look at those charts they have like they've actually been huge mm -hmm. winners they've like been amazing long-term swings I think Mara is now in like the 60s, Riot's up there in the 60s as well. And back in 2018, they were like, they were just small cap stocks that we used to trade. Yeah. Or NVAX, like that's more the, the coronavirus yeah. stuff, but like NVAX and uh, Moderna and all those. Yeah, like, like, like we traded those stocks as small caps just last year. Shorting it at $5. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And yeah. uh, they've been actually big long-term winners. So we could definitely see the Good same thing with NFTs where... A lot of stocks will be kind of hype yeah. and pump and dumps, but there might be some that do last. And they well, do I mean, TCAT. Yeah. TCAT is, is holding up in the 30s and 40s or yeah. whatever it is. It's, uh, it's been killing it. So, yeah. But it happens with all hypes. Like, no matter what happens in the world, you will always see a flock of small caps say, hey, we're in that now too, you know? So, just and I love that. I, I absolutely love that. Yeah. But with the actual technology or whatever the NFT actually is, would you buy one? Dude, <laughs> I don't even understand them, to be honest. Like, I mean, I've been kind of arrogant and not really uh, looked into it because I don't really care that much. Yeah. But just on like the surface value, I just don't understand it. Like, I was kind of thinking about it in the shower today, actually, because I knew we were going to have this, have this question. Um, but I was thinking like, like say you have an NFT of someone's tweet. How do you verify that the person who made that tweet is selling that like, like thing? Like, like what's stopping anyone from taking a screenshot of that tweet and saying, hey, NFT for this tweet, come buy it. I mean, I guess it's the same thing for like paintings. You can take a like picture of a painting and say, hey, picture of a painting here. It's not the real one, but like, I just don't get it, man. Like, it seems like a cool idea. Like I've seen that there's been some companies who who will make a listing and they will make an NFT of their like first trade that happened. I'm pretty sure that Coinbase did that. With their listing, they made an NFT of the first trade that happened on the market, which is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. um, I, in my opinion, it's probably very overhyped, right? Like the whole sector has just been Everyone's buying it just because it's the new hot thing. Um, so that'll probably die down. But uh, the technology behind it probably is going to stay and have a really good use case in the future. Like just like how with blockchain, when blockchain was first kind of the big thing, a lot of altcoins rallied just because they were based on blockchain. But a mm -hmm. few did last because their use case was kind of valuable. And I think with NFTs will be the same thing where... A lot of them being hyped up right now just because it's the hot new thing. Everyone's bored. Want to throw the money around. And most of them will probably be not worth anything after a few years, maybe. I don't know, right? I'm not in the sector. But the actual use case of having a non-fungible token for some like, like piece of art or some piece of music, I think it could help creators you know, monetize their stuff a bit better. Yeah, know. for artists, think I think for, them. well, I, yeah, I haven't done a, that much research on the subject, but I think it could benefit people in the arts and entertainment uh, world. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that they might have too much money on their hands to be able to, I don't know, drop $80,000 on a file. Uh, like, as you said, which could just easily, easily be replicated with a screenshot. Yeah. You know, it's just, I mean, maybe it's the same thing as art because of people who drop dollars <laughs> yeah. on art and you know, you yes. can buy a replica of that art, but it's not the original. I just don't know enough about it to really understand like what is stopping someone yeah. from making like another token of the same exact thing. Yeah. I guess it just has a different address and that's the thing that verifies it. I mean, I would so love to maybe... learn more about it. If we had a guest who, who was in that, yeah. that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I was just going to say, maybe somebody, uh, somebody who knows something or knows a lot about this, drop a comment below yeah. uh, on YouTube. If yeah, it's on Spotify, us. then uh, reach out another way. Yeah. You can feel uh, some <laughs> info about it. Cause I mean, yeah. yeah, my main angle of it has just been trading the small caps that are based around it. And yeah. the hype has kind of died down a lot. I feel like it was really big in like the beginning of April or like late March, I think. And there are a few stocks beginning of April that were kind of about it. But I yeah. think it was mainly late March, right? I Yeah, it, it was. O OCG was a very, very, very difficult stock to trade. I don't I don't think I traded TCAT when it first started. Mm. Going going wild. Um no locates, locates too expensive, that sort of thing. But in the last week or two, like, yeah, I think I got it from, uh, from that $40 push the other afternoon down to 37s and after hours, just like a late afternoon, low volume kind of push with no news. So, yeah. Yeah. And we've uh, been seeing some, some small caps drop news about how they're getting into attitude now and like not, nothing really happens off it now. Like I think the overall, the new hype that it brought people are kind of like, all right, who cares? You know, NFT. Yeah. So what? It's old news. It's, yeah. it's like when someone, uh, it's like when someone says they're trying to make the Corona vaccine, uh, coronavirus uh, vaccine. It's like, yeah, we have a couple of people already doing that. Thank you very much. But yeah, but there was OCGN that there was OCGN, you know, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know. There could be another TCAT that comes around in the, in the NFT space that just blows That's up. That's right. Never we'll, never, we'll never say never. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, just wondering, I guess, for viewers and for members, is there anything cool and upcoming uh, coming to the Trade Buddy community in the near future, or anything that we're working on that we want to share? Besides, I've uh, I've been like working on making a new course because the one I made in like right now, I think, was filmed in 2018 either 2018 or 2019. So it's kind of dated. Um, I've kind of made it a much larger project than it needs to be. And I'm like treating it as such a big thing to deal with. And it's kind of been discouraging me to like get going on it. So I don't know. I'm trying to get going on that, but there's a lot of steps. I have to like make the script, which I'm working on right now, and then hire mm -hmm. an editor for it and make it super high quality. So I've been kind of pushing towards that. That's like the main thing I'm working on, um, like in terms of the actual, uh, the program. Um, as far as anything else, I'm also developing or, or like trying to develop a new Slack bot, which would basically just help us identify float values, like float, market cap, uh, the percent share short 
So I've been spending the past few weeks trying to learn Python. I've never used Python before, so I'm like learning all the basics about it. But basically, it would be a Slack bot where you could just type in a slash command and it, and then have the ticker symbol next to it, and it would pull from Finviz, Yahoo Finance, all these different websites. Like flow tell checker, you, good one. Yeah, yeah, basically like flow checker, but within Slack bot, you know. Um, so then it would just tell us, you know, what's the flow because we have so many people who always ask. Hey, what's the flow to this? And they could just use a Slack bot for that. So that'd be kind of cool. And you know, once that bot's developed, I think we could also make some different use cases for it too. Like maybe make it post charts or post other values that might be helpful. Cause I know that lots of people use Weeble and Weeble's VWAP yeah. is trash. It's like, it doesn't use pre-market volume in its calculations. So it's usually very far off on first green day stocks. So if it could like tell you like where the TOS view up was, that'd be kind of cool, I think. Um, but other than that, not really too much in the works. Um, just been grinding out the webinars, helping people as I can. Once that new course is finally developed and finalized, and like I'm done with that big project, I do want to probably consider um, training people who are in trade buddy now to do like onboarding calls for people who join the lifetime program and like have like monthly calls with them to like make them stay on track you know i don't do that all myself because that's a lot of work for me um but if i have people who are trusted and they know their stuff then i think that that'd probably be a very big benefit for new traders because i know that when you join a program it's a lot of stress to like stay on top of it and you might get discouraged. But if you had someone there who was like, like your trade buddy, you know, who would like call you say, Hey, how you doing? Like, what are you working on right now? Like, what are you struggling with? Um, and have that kind of nagging support on you would be a big yeah. benefit, I think, to people. And people, they underestimate how much that is important. Um, it's not something to embark on alone. It's good to find somebody or could be two or three people or whatever, but at least to have somebody that you speak to yeah. quite regularly about your progress and uh, to make sure that you're not um, uh, going on a uh, revenge trading oh, vendor yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, having that support would really be helpful. Yeah, lots of people are kind of nervous to approach me, I guess, because I'm like the head honcho. Um, so if I had people who were like trusted in the like room that they could kind of reach out to and be yeah. their friends with, I think it would help a lot of people. So because I always ask, yeah. hey, if you want to talk to me, reach out to me whenever you want. Most people don't, though, because they're kind of nervous. They don't want to they don't want to ask bad questions, which isn't a thing. Right. That's what I'm here for. But, you know, I totally get it. Like if you have a friend who is also interested like within trading, you should definitely trade with them and like like bring them along with you like during the journey because just having someone that you trust that you could talk to about all those mistakes that you make when you're emotional, when you yeah. make bad trades, helps you work through it and helps you kind of just not revenge trade, like you said. That's um, it. And and it, yeah, having that friend is so important. Like for me, it's a few people and you know, Sean N is one of them, and I'll usually give him an update like at 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 on, on how my morning is, is going. And if he, 
if he doesn't hear from me, he starts to say, Hey, what's going on? Or I hope you're not getting yourself into a hole here. Yeah. You know, he's a great guy. So that, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's a, it's quite important. Um, and, uh, for me, I have been working on a little bit of content here and there. It's a project that's been going on for, uh, it's been delayed for way too long, but obviously I've been busy focusing on my own trading. Uh, but yeah, like to have like some kind of add on mini course. So like when people, they, you know, they, they go through your course or they, they get your course. And then at the end, it's like, do you want to learn a little bit about short selling? You could say yes, if you want to add this, mm -hmm. um, that's something I'm still working on at, at, at the time. I wasn't, uh, showing my face, but now that I'm showing my face, I could have little videos on the bottom corner of yeah. me actually talking through those uh presentations rather than just being audio so mm -hmm. i think for 2021 it's something that i want to spend a little bit more time on i, I was looking at the slides and some of them were were dated because i started working on that quite a while ago so and that's the uh, that's uh, the hardest thing because my knowledge <laughs> is always kind of evolving and not really getting outdated in the sense that like it's false info but like yeah it's lots of things that you don't really need to focus on a lot so as i've been working on like the new like course that I've been making because I've been taking so long to make it, I would read over it, be like, well, that's not really useful info anymore. Like who like who cares about that piece? So then I have to like rework that. Um, but I am, you know, I think the main thing that will kind of help me get motivated into into finishing that course is I'm gonna be moving into a new place uh nice. in the next two months here. So I think with like the change of scenery and like like being in a new office will probably help me you know, really say, okay, it's time to get this thing done. It's been far too long. Let's make this new course and get it finalized. So my goal for sure is I want to have it out by the end of 2021. I said the same thing back in 2020. I failed that goal. I'm sorry, but I will <laughs> do my best to make sure I get at least, you know, some of it out, you know, just make sure I have some recording done and you yeah. know, like have half of it up and then other half later on, but definitely need to get it done because people want it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the change of scenery definitely will help. It's helped me. This is my new uh, oh, yeah, office been, uh, battle station here. Yeah, and um, yeah. Besides that, I mean, in, in the month of May, we'll we're we're going to be recording some more podcasts just so everybody knows we are working on we are working on getting some kinds of guests, and uh, we we will have a professional um, someone who trades for a living and who's been doing very well for a couple of years now. Uh, someone that I learned from, um, I learned from very much so in the sense of uh, approaching with a, a certain mindset and discipline. This guy lost like a hundred pounds. Just, it takes a lot of discipline for someone yeah. to, to do that. And um, that's awesome. I learned some tape reading techniques and uh, that mentality where it's like, you don't need to sit in front of the screens for eight hours. You could make a good trade that takes less than an hour and then mm -hmm. go enjoy your day. I really learned that from, from this trader. So it's pretty much confirmed. So we'll hopefully get that going in May. That would be an awesome, awesome one to do. Cause I don't know yeah. anything about tape rating. You know, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not my specialty at all. So I would love to pick his brain about that. Cause it's something I could definitely use probably in my trading. Um, yeah. So yeah. Looking yes. forward to that for sure. Anyways, I think we are, uh, we're all wrapped up here. 
Yes, wherever you're listening, make sure that you follow the podcast, whether it's on YouTube, on Spotify. It should be up on Apple soon too, so you can watch it there as well or listen to it there as well. Uh, if you have any recommendations for people that you want interviewed or topics to talk about, you can just read out to us on social media, leave a comment on YouTube, or just hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, hit up anyone that you would want to be a guest because we'd love to have anyone that's a trader uh, on this show. So uh, thank you so much for your time, my daily gains, and uh, we'll see you on Monday in the room, and then we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast. Thanks again, and uh, looking forward to, uh, to being back on Monday and see everybody there.